0: Welcome to Hope Talks Podcast with Grayson and Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. We would love your feedback and invite you to take a short, anonymous survey. You can find the link to the survey in the show notes. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I have a special guest with us, uh, Dr. Brian Charette, also familiar maybe as BC.
1: I doubt anybody um. remembers BC now, Grayson. <laughs> it's very nice of you. Do you realize that was uh, in the mid-80s? You weren't even born when I was <laughs> well, BC in the morning.
0: I mean, I think we probably have a lot of listeners who are around. I was born in the <laughs> 80s, so even...
1: That's so sad. <laughs> so young. Do you think... Uh, anyway, for those of you who have no idea who I am... First of all, you shouldn't have any idea who I am, but many years ago, I, if you lived in Harrisonburg, I was on the radio in Harrisonburg, and they called me BC in the morning, and people like to mock that, like Grayson was just mocking me. I'm letting
0: people know how honored we the, are to have a local radio you, legend with Those us. of
1: you who are not old will have no idea who I am, and that's completely normal.
0: But anyway, it's great to have you. Great to be here. I always enjoy being here. Today, Brian is going to... He recently, in a men's Bible study at our church, Church of the Nazarene in Harrisonburg, did a study um, shared from Daniel chapter Mm 3, and it was really encouraging to the men. And so I thought it would be good for him to share that with us today and us to talk about that. And so, Brian, you did from Daniel chapter 3, you shared about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So uh, just talk about what stuck out to you about that study. And I know we're going through the book of Daniel, so you know, why you for this particular chapter and just some of the things the Lord spoke to you and preparing that. Sure.
1: Well, first of all, one of the cool things about radio and podcasts is that in my mind, it's never an accident when someone is tuning in. It, right. You know, it. you're listening, the people who are listening, you're listening to this right now. And there's not an accident that you're listening to this. The Lord has something for you in this. That's the beautiful thing. And it's different than going to church. When you show up for church, you're kind of ready to hear a sermon. But in this case, you were just minding your own business. And all of a sudden on the radio comes this podcast or you clicked on Hope Talks and you didn't know what the subject was, maybe. And so here you are listening. So first of all, I think it's an honor that you would be paying attention to anything I have to say. And I also believe that it's no accident that you're listening. And so maybe the Lord has something for you. Um, I remember years and years ago, I got into radio, I haven't been in radio in years, but I got into radio years ago um, because I was really fascinated by the power of it. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts and uh, a a pretty dysfunctional family. I didn't know the Lord. And I used to listen to, uh, in the middle of the night with my covers pulled up from under me so I wouldn't get caught, I used to listen to a couple of radio stations that had clear channel power. One of them was WGAR in Cleveland, and the other one was WOWO. I think it was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And they used to run religious programming after midnight because they had to. Back in the days, radio stations had to do public service kind of stuff. And I remember one of my earliest memories, even before I knew the Lord, was listening to preachers on this staticky AM radio that were coming all the way from Cleveland, Ohio to Worcester, Massachusetts. So I've always been struck by the way the Lord could use radio. So I say that by way of introduction. So the book of Daniel, fascinating book, uh, because it's often cited as a prophetic book, not only prophetic for the time, Daniel's time, or right after Daniel was written about 600 um, BC and so it's it's often considered a prophetic book not only for the short period after that up to the time of the Lord coming, but into our time in fact I, I mentioned in the Bible study there was a book uh, in early 70s called Late great Planet Earth which became famous because it was one of the first, populist, apocalyptic books. It was the one, uh, Lake Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, who I learned is still alive. He's in his 90s. But um, it was a book that took biblical prophecy and applied it to modern day politics, government. You know, Lake Great Planet Earth was where we first got ideas like Israel will be attacked from the north by the great bear. And anyway, uh, if you read the book Lake Great Planet Earth, you read a lot of Daniel in it. Um, The same thing with the Left Behind series. Now that's more modern. Left Behind series was in the 90s. And you could, if you are into the Left Behind series, and if you are into the movies, you'll see a lot of the influence of Daniel prophesying into the 21st century. So with that as an understanding, I find it fascinating to me that one of the stories in Daniel that doesn't really have Intended prophetic meaning, in my mind, actually may be the most valuable prophetic content for life in 2023. And so that's what my premise was in speaking on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So let me give you an example of the Daniel um, prophecy, and then I'll, I want to get into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and talk about why I think that's actually prophetic. So, for instance, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He not only interprets it, but he can tell him what the dream was. And the dream was about a statue. Okay, And this statue has often, I'm going to pull a picture of it up to prompt my memory, but this statue is often seen as very prophetic, both for the time immediately following Daniel, but for... Our time, For instance, the statue has a golden head, silver body, bronze waist, iron legs, and iron clay and feet. That's how the statue is described in the dream. So each of those body parts, for instance, the iron legs are often associated with Alexander the Great, who was in uh, 4th century BC. So the iron legs describe what Alexander the Great would do. And then the iron and clay feet, the feet of the statue are seen as being smashed. So in... Near-term prophecy, that's Alexander's kingdom being divided. But for long-term prophecy, that statue is seen a little differently, and I've got it in front of me. So the head of gold is seen as Babylon. Um, Chest of arms and silver is Medo-Persia. The belly of uh, and thighs of bronze is seen as Greece. Legs of iron are seen as the Roman Empire, where Jesus uh, lived. And then the feet of iron and clay are seen as modern-day Europe. And the return of Jesus is the stones smashing the feet of clay. Okay, so I'd say all that just to say there's an example of how Daniel's symbolic language is often used to portray the future, to prophesy the future, even into our modern times. And how Lindsay, for instance, in late great planet Earth, saw those feet of clay as being smashed by the coming of Jesus and the Antichrist and all those things. So there's a lot of that imagery in Daniel. But now that, let's go to Daniel 3, where there isn't any of this symbolic imagery. It's really just a story of these three heroic men.
0: Right. A testimony, if yes, you will. Yes, yeah. it is.
1: There's no st- real symbolism there, no statues, no bowls from Revelation. It's a powerful witness of these three men. So the setup of this is that Babylon attacked Jerusalem and took Jerusalem over, and they captured prisoners— And some of those prisoners were some of the best and brightest men in Jerusalem. So the best and brightest um, men of God at this time. Um, And so these men are captive in Babylon. And what the king wants to do is sort of create in these Jews, Babylonians. Um, He wants to change them from being faithful to God to being faithful to him because they're talented. It's like he's drafting an all-star team. He captures these people, and now he wants to turn them into something, turn them into his servants. So three of these people are the people that we know about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I'm going to read Daniel 3 to get to this story, and I don't want to read a lot of text, but it's important So King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3, and I know if you're driving, you're not following along, but if you're sitting down, you can open your Bibles to Daniel 3, and you'll see that the king set up a giant statue. Speaking of statues, an image of gold that was 60 cubits high, 90 feet high, giant. It was, If you drive by one of those blue harvest store silos on the side of the road, this was about 10 feet bigger than the average harvest store silo. So 90 feet tall. Um, somewhere close to a 10-story building. And he summoned everybody in the kingdom and he said, you have to bow down and worship me, this image that I've set up. So in this crowd are these Jewish guys, these Jewish young men who are now being forced to bow down before this image. Now, what's interesting is the reason that the Lord allowed the Jews to be captured by Babylon was twofold one because they didn't honor the Sabbath and two because they were worshiping idols Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting that now they're put in a position where they're forced Mm -hmm. in Babylon to worship idols and so what happens is they are out in this field of Dura um, and there's this gigantic statue of gold and everybody is called to this plane, giant plane, and said, when you hear the sound of music and trumpets, you have to bow down and worship it. And if you don't, I'm in Daniel uh, 3, verse 6 now, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, that's interesting, um, because I don't think those furnaces there's no evidence that says that those they happened to gather around a place where furnaces already were. Right. I think the king built these furnaces so people could see what the result would be if they didn't honor right. him. And a lot of times we're in that situation where we have a clear picture of what our alternative is. Uh, we have a clear picture of the threat against us as believers, and there are significant threats against us as believers. So verse 7 says, By the way, I was thinking of um, Nazi Germany when I was reading this. You know, in the concentration camps, they hid the furnaces. They disguised the gas chambers as showers. And so they tricked people into marching to their deaths, uh, sadly and tragically. In this case, the king has the threat wide open in front of people. These are these um, furnaces. So verse 7, therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set. So they all fall down, throngs of people are kneeling on their face with these furnaces right in front of them with the threat plain. but something didn't happen, and that is three men didn't bow down. And it was obvious because there was a throng of people all bowing down, except these three guys. So they stood out like a sore thumb. And so some astrologers came forward and ratted out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The astrologers came forward and said, hey, these guys are not bowing down from you. Do something about it. Um, Verse 12 says, but there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are... They weren't their real names, but they were the names they were given by the king. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So here's these three guys in the middle of a crowd who probably could have justified bowing down. They probably could have made up excuses. They probably could have said, look, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. They probably could have said, the Lord will understand if we bow down. We're just going to bow down. and We're not going to call attention to ourselves. But they didn't do that. They stood standing. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, and I'm in verse 14 now, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, something interesting is going to happen here that I mentioned in the study. He's about to give these guys a second chance. And you don't see that where kings give anybody a second chance. And he's about to give these guys a second chance, I think. It's because he didn't want to lose them. I think he knew that these were all-stars and they could add a lot of wealth to his kingdom. And I think he went against the grain because he knew who these guys were. When you he So he gives them a second chance. He says, now I'm going to give you another chance, essentially. This time, when you hear the music, fall down and worship. Um, but he said, if you don't, then you'll be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. And the response of the three men is what I think is critically important to our lives as Christians in 2023. It's not symbolic, as I said. It's not usually what's prophesied in Daniel. This part wasn't in late Great Planet Earth. It wasn't in the Left Behind series. But I think what we read next are six words that really demonstrate what life as a Christian may be like for us in 2023. And so I'm about to say the six words, Grayson, but before I do, we're teasing it a little. At this point in the story, what questions do you think people have? Well,
0: did they... Bow down the second time? Did they, you know, did they stand firm? Yeah, like just even trying to put yourself yep. in there, which that's hard to do. But but it's so, why this story's right, here. You're right. exactly
1: right. I put myself in this position, and the question is, would I be wi- if someone forced me to deny Jesus? Right. Would I be willing to die to not right. deny Jesus? Now. I know people listening to this podcast are thinking, oh my, this is an awful, awfully serious tone for this podcast. But there's no way around the fact that this story is in our face. It's one of the most important Old Testament stories we have. And if we don't ask ourselves what we would do in this position, I think we're missing the important point. So I want to get to the six words that I think are the most important. So I'm in Daniel three. Verse 16. The moment of truth has come. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. That's a wonderful attitude. It was the right thing to say at the right moment, but I don't think it's the turning point in this story yet. They're facing almost certain death. They're facing almost certain pain. Being burned to death is one of the most painful deaths you can experience. In fact, historians tell us that it is actually the Babylonians who invented burning at the stake. They really liked killing people, executing people by fire. And so here's these three young Hebrew men staring a painful death in the face. And they say to him, we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to defend our God to you in this matter. If you throw us into the furnace, our God is the God of all furnaces. Our God can easily rescue us from the furnace. And then they proclaim in faith, in fact, he will rescue us. But I think what's next is most most important. Six words that begin Daniel 3.18. But even if he does not. Even if he does not. King, we will not test God. We will not doubt God. We will not measure the majestic one by the ruler of our circumstances. I don't think we know what these men were about until they said that. Even if he does not. Your Majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And so the king was furious, and most people know the story. He ordered the furnaces heated seven times hotter. And I did a little study on this because I was curious about what that would mean. These probably were brick kilns that they had. Babylon didn't use stone much, they didn't have stone, so they used bricks. And so it's estimated that a Babylonian brick kiln might have been heated to about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So seven times hotter than 2,000 de- is 14,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If you Google the coolest part of the surface of the sun, and not that I trust oh. Google, but um, the coolest part of the surface of the sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So these, in theory, these um, furnaces were now heated to hotter than the surface of the sun, um, but we know what happens. They get thrown into the furnace. Uh, the men, verse 21, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent. Now listen to this. And the furnace so hot that the flames killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The flames were so hot that you didn't even have to go into the furnace to be killed. Um, And I'm saying that because, how do I say this? Uh, I went to a seminary years ago, and it was not known for its conservative approach. And so I remember an Old Testament professor telling me that the reason they were saved was not because of anything God did, but because they found a cool part of the furnace, I can assure you there was no cool part of the furnace. If the outside of the furnace killed people, there was no cool part of the furnace. All right. So um, the soldiers were killed and these three men were tied and fell into the blazing furnace. Then verse 24 of Daniel three, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And, you know, you're talking about even if yep. he doesn't rescue us, being the strongest words. I mean, some of my thoughts on that is, you know, it's Maybe a little easier for us since we know the story. Yes. We know that he, but they, I mean, they had faith that he could, but they didn't know if he would, but, but they were surrendered one way or the other.
1: That's a great point. They didn't know. They certainly hoped, Yeah. but they were willing to lay down their lives for God. Um, and of course, we know the end of the story. They were completely unharmed. Their hair wasn't singed. The, the, the Bible, Daniel even takes time to say there wasn't even the smell of fire on them. And you know what happened. If you know the story, you know that the king turns and says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own God. Now, this is a dramatic turn because if you read this story, one of the things that the king says before this incident is, he asked them a question, what God will be able to save you from my hand? And so the fact that King Nebuchadnezzar goes from asking that question to declaring God as God is as big a turnaround as you can get. Oswald Chambers wrote about this, the fiery furnaces are there by God's direct permission. It's misleading to imagine that we are developed in spite of our circumstances. We are developed because of them. It's mastery in circumstances that is needed, not mastery over them. So here's an example of how a story from Daniel speaks into our story without symbolism. I want to... Go to when Jesus was asked about the end times, he gave an answer. and It's called the Olivet Discourse. Um, Jesus was asked what the end times would be like. It's in Matthew 24. And as I read what Jesus said about the end times, what our end times will look like, think about those six words. But even if he does not, this is Matthew 24. I'm starting in verse 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This is all Jesus prophesying the end times. Then there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Now think about those six words as I continue to read. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. This is what the end times will be like in the mind of our Messiah. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, The love of most will grow cold. Boy, is that hard. But the one who stands firm, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. King, our God, we don't have to defend ourselves in this matter. Our God can easily save us from any peril in which you put us. We don't have to answer for him. We just believe him. But the truth is, even if he does not, I worry that some Christians may choose a different six words. Unless he does, I will not. And those are dangerous words to say, especially when you read in verse 12 of Matthew 24, the love of most will grow cold. So I think we have a challenge. Which six words will mark our response? But even if he does not, or unless he does, I will not. Last thing, Revelation 12, talk about future prophecy. Verse 10, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So I think we often see, and Daniel is a very valuable prophetic book and very interesting um, and lots of symbolism that we can interpret and study and understand and analyze. But the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a prophetic utterance for us with virtually no symbolism at all.
0: And that's powerful, uh, Brian, because not only is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's testimony powerful of, you know, and like you said, this story demands in our day and age, you know, what six words will we say? Even if he doesn't, you know, we'll still serve him. Or like you said, the sad reality is some may say, if he doesn't, then I won't. Amen. And I love that you brought up Revelation 12, uh, 10 and 11, there because those are foundational yes. verses for the founding. Uh, when we first started this podcast and a radio program, um, I remember Dad always said uh, with that verse, you know, uh, we overcome the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's right. We know the blood of the Lamb is not in question. We don't want the word of our testimony kind of in those six words. Absolutely. We don't want that to be in question either.
1: Do you think. When I left the Bible study that morning after preaching this, I, I, I knew that the Lord had given it to me and I felt like I was being faithful. But at the, you know, I was walking out, I was thinking, that can be a pretty hard word. Yeah. Do you think this is a a hard word? Do you think it's, how do you think people receive such a, a word about what might happen in the future and a, a message about whether they'll ever have their life threatened? How do you think we should hear this now? Let's talk about, I I got the pleasure of preaching this, and I believe it was the Lord's Word, but let's talk about the people who have just listened to this podcast, this radio program. Is this a hard word, do you think? Well, it's hard, but
0: it's challenging, and I think it's also encouraging to know that we're not the only ones to ever Mm -hmm. face hard things and to know that the Lord will be with us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. Amen. And,
1: you you know, in the Western culture, we can say that, we live in a Judeo-Christian, uh, you prefer, we're probably a post-Christian nation. But the fact is, there are people, there are believers in the world today whose lives right. hang in the balance, who right. have to worship hidden, right. who if they came to the point of having declare their faith, they could be killed. That's happening right. in our world today. So for us as you know, being blessed in Western culture to whistle past the graveyard and hope it may never happen to us denies the fact that it's happening now. In fact, Christianity is the most persecuted religion on the globe. So I think you're right. I think it's a challenging word. I do think it's encouraging to know we're in this together, but I think it should, one of the things it caused me to do is to be alert, is to think about, am I ready for the moment to come where someone challenges me, someone of authority, challenges me to deny the Lord. Am I prayed up now? Am I read up now? Is my relationship with Jesus so intimate that I wouldn't even give a second thought? I heard someone say, um, when that time come, I think it might have been David this past week at our man's Bible study, or maybe um, Don said it, if that time comes, if you're not ready at the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment, it's unlikely you're going to respond the way they did.
0: Right. Yeah. We have to know what our response would be ahead yeah. of time because in that situation, you know, like you said, we have to be prepared to make a decision, not just on the spot.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you uh, for joining me today, Brian. It's Praise been great to have you. And thank you. I, I believe this word brings hope, you know, even in difficult times, it yeah. brings hope. And I've heard it said one time that it'll all be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end, because we know in eternity. <laughs> That's right. That we will. If you, we suffer with him, we, we will reign, reign with him. him. Read the last yeah. page of the Bible. Yep. Well, uh, thank you for joining me again, Brian. It's been great thank to have you, you. very much. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as uh, Brian and I have shared on Daniel 3, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless.
1: Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, here in the Harrisonburg-Rockingham County area, We invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.